but we are gonna tread into some deep water today. Um, if you're watching with us online, I'm excited that you're with us online. We're in the middle of a new series. It's called God With Us. Uh, Emmanuel is one of the names of God. It means God with us. And that's one of the things that is a distinctive of our faith that's different than every other religion on the planet is that we actually serve a God who wants to be with us, wants to live in us, wants to have relationship with us. We don't spend our time on earth trying to prove or earn our acceptance from him. We receive our acceptance from him by faith in Jesus Christ. And then he wants to actually come and live inside of us. God wants to interact and engage with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He wants to be in your dreams. He wants to be in your work life. He wants to be in your sports. He wants to be in your fitness. God wants to do life with you. It's God with us, but the way he does it is through his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna talk to you today about a, a topic that I'm extremely passionate about. It's part of my life's work. It's who I, was, uh, who I was born to be and didn't even know it, but it's specifically about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I'm sad to tell you that about 90% of churches around here, maybe 95% of churches won't even broach the subject. They won't even talk about it. I don't know if you realize this or not, but, but when it comes to statistics, only about four or 5% of churches in America are what would be called a spirit-filled or charismatic church that believes in the expression of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that actually believes and teaches that the Holy Spirit can come live inside of you and you can walk in the same miraculous power that Jesus walked in when he walked on the planet, which is actually what Jesus said. But 95% of churches won't even talk about that. And if they will talk about it, it'll be very basic and they won't help you know how to do it. And that's not Oaks Church. We're gonna help you know how to do it. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you this promise today. This is how confident I am that any single person in this room and even watching online, any person watching online, if you wanna receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you will receive it today. The gifts of the Holy Spirit will come in your life today. It's so easy. It's not a hard thing. It's something that God wants you to have. He wants you to walk in his power. He wants you to be filled with his spirit. In fact, many of you have asked for the Holy Spirit in your life at some point in time. You've asked God to be with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, because he's such a good God, he did. And it's possible you've had the gifts of the Holy Spirit for decades and no one ever taught you how to turn it on. And today you're gonna learn how to turn it on. And you're gonna begin to operate in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, I wanna tell you there are two topics that you can talk about in church that will make people leave faster than anything else. Or you already talked about one of them. Thank you, Ron. Uh, Ron talked about tithing. So uh, that's the number one way to make people leave your church. You talk about money and people get antsy and they get offended. And typically the people that get offended about money are people that don't wanna give. So it's okay for them to leave. But I would rather them stay and learn. I'd rather them stay and learn because it just comes down to faith. It comes down to faith and openness and trusting God. That's all it comes down to. When you, have, when, you, when you have faith and openness and trust in God, you recognize that you give because you've been given to. So you, you received it all from him. If, I mean, everything in my daughter's bank account for the most part, not this one because now she's you know, earned money and graduation money and whatever, but my little, my, my little scoundrel, every dollar she has, she got from me. If I was to say, hey, hey, babe, I'm gonna take a loan. I'm gonna borrow from your account. I need $2,500. Who does she think she is to tell me no? It's her allowance. It's her, car, it's her car fund. But every penny came from me. So if I gotta borrow from her, I'll borrow from her. I'll pay her back when I'm ready and I'll help her get a better car or whatever. But that's my money. It's in my, my name's on that bank account. If I want it, I'll take it. She's not here to defend herself. She got it all for me. Everything you have, you got from God. So what's the holdup? It's all his. It's all his. But then there's the other, the other T. It's ties and then there's tongues. You talk about tongues, ooh, boom, out the door. The terrible T's, two terrible T's in church make people leave right away. And I just want to take a second because here's the deal. I will stand before God and answer for whether or not I taught you the whole Bible or not. And I got a lot of things wrong with me. I got a lot of issues. I got things I need to repent for. I'm a normal human being. I mess up all the time. But the number one thing that I'm afraid of is standing before God and having to answer to him why I was too much of a chicken 
to talk about the tough things in the Bible because I was too concerned that you might reject me. I'm not going to risk the rejection there based on a temporary rejection here. Okay, so I'm going to tell the truth. And if you don't like it, I've got so many great friends in the city. I can recommend you to great other churches and they won't talk about it. Uh, And you'll be happy there. I'm not, I'm not called to make you happy. I'm called to challenge you. Called to challenge you. Called to push you. I'm, I'm, I'm the head coach here. All right. And that's my role. And, and, And so I love you so much. It wouldn't be fair for me to have access to, tap into, in fact, it would be just like religion for me to have access to all of the power of God. I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. I've cast out demons. I've done all types of miraculous works in my lifetime. And how dirty would it be for me to say, that's only for me and y'all peasants just stay there and keep doing your little thing and make sure you keep paying me because I'm the one that has real access to God and you need me. That's religion. That's what religion does. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, Everything you've seen me do, you will do, and even greater things, if you believe. And the problem is we got a lot of people that don't believe. They just don't believe. So I want to give you just some real quick stats. Can I give you some stats? Okay. On the church, let's just, on the church spectrum, way over here on this side, you've got what's called liturgical churches. Okay, this is your Catholics, your um, Methodists, your Lutherans, your Presbyterians. There's lots of kneeling. There's lots of standing up. There's lots of uh, reciting prayers. It's beautiful. The buildings are gorgeous. They're stained glass. People are very proper. Um, it's, it's more of a quiet experience. It's very reverent. Great people, great church. Everything's wonderful. Every church is for every different type of person, okay? All the way over on the far extreme over here, you have the Pentecostals, Okay? Pentecostals are crazy, they're loud, they're rowdy, uh, they, they're, they're going to believe any, anything that possible that the Bible said they're going to go for it, and, and they're just a little rowdy and they're a little wilder. Now here's what's wild, Pentecostals oftentimes are not anywhere near as wealthy, the far spectrum over here is people that are very open to, to wild and crazy and gutsy and adventurous things on the spiritual world but not necessarily the most wealthy of people. But I'm just giving you church statistics, okay? These are just stats. Don't get mad at nobody. But these people are the most generous people of all Christians, statistically speaking. They give a higher percentage than anyone else in the entire church world is the people that that believe in all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, all that kind of stuff. They operate in it. That, that, those are the most percentage-wise generous people. But they're not the wealthiest, Far over extreme over here, the wealthiest people, very highly educated, not open to the weird stuff, very highly educated, wealthy, established, but statistically speaking, the least generous people in all Christendom. Not bad enough for nobody, I'm just talking statistics. They can prove me wrong. Make a donation to oakschurch.com. All right. Um... In the middle, you have the Baptist. The Baptist is in the perfect sweet spot between safe, uh, affluent, generous, percentage-wise. And that's why Baptist churches tend to be some of the biggest and some of the most robust and have the biggest programs, certainly the best sports fields, all different stuff. I mean, and God bless the Baptist. None of y'all would be saved if it wasn't for a Baptist. My God, those people get people saved. And so I don't want you, I've got friends in every denomination. I've got pastor friends in every denomination. I love them. They love me. They think I'm crazy. Uh, and, and, and that's fine. They don't know that I'm praying in tongues every time I hang out with them and lay hands on them. I'm just smiling, praying. I, they don't, I'm just trying. No, for real, though. Um, we get along. We love each other. We appreciate each other. We all have a purpose. We all have a, a, a part to play. There's things that they, re- they recognize and understand that are wonderful and great, and there are things that we recognize. I, I grew up, my parents grew up in the Pentecostal holiness movement. Uh, by the time I came around, we were assembly of God. So we're a little, little bump over here, not quite as crazy. Still probably got some banners. Flags running around. Someone might take off running, do a lap around the church. You never know. You have some, we all saw some crazy stuff. 
And then, and then uh, in the 80s, this whole charismatic thing exploded, and I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which was the hub of everything crazy in the charismatic world that ever happened. And I grew up in that. And, and, and that's the world I grew up in. I didn't grow up in a Baptist church. I went to Methodist church a couple times, went to Baptist with some friends. First time I ever went to a Catholic church, it was a funeral. And I never stood up and sat down and stood up and squared. I'm like, my God, my quads are burning. I never, you know, I mean, so I, I, but my experience is over here, Right? But because of that, I don't, I, I don't, and this is so important. There's no denomination that's better than another. We're one body. We're one body. We're the body of Christ. And every different flavor uh, relates to a different type of flavor. One of the problems is when we as the body of Christ start looking down on someone else and thinking we're better than them or whatever. But the reality is there, there are different parts of the body that are specialists. They're specialists in certain things. Some parts of the body are specialists in getting people saved. Other parts of the body are specialists in creating reverent and, and prayerful environments. Other parts of the body are specialists in creating powerful experience and powerful engagement with, with, the, with the presence of the living God. But, but it doesn't make one better than the other. It's important you understand that. I would never speak ill. Man, I'm telling you, my, my friends all around the city, there are pastors all around the city, I would never speak ill of them. I think they're incredible, wonderful, and I need them in the city. And they need me. And we make each other better. But it's important to recognize that, that some different denominations, they just steer away from certain things and, and they just avoid it and they don't really study it. And a lot of times certain denominations feel like it's easiest just to pretend like it doesn't happen anymore. But I'm telling you, it still happens. It still happens. So, so I, I'm 12 years old. I was on the puppet team at church. I went to a church that was part of the faith, the word of faith movement. Um, we were trained in the gifts of the spirit. Man, little kids are trained in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Man, we're trained, we're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. We're laying hands on people. Uh, we're, they're teaching us how to prophesy. All uh, Little kids, man, elementary. And the whole thing was, it's the same Holy Spirit. A little kid has access to the same Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that, that the type of faith we're supposed to have is faith like a child. Because children just believe stuff. And they step out and stuff. And so here I was, a little kid that was trained how to lay hands on people, pray for people, all that kind of stuff. It was just part of our lifestyle. And we saw miracles all the time. We saw healings all the time. We saw crazy stuff, amazing stuff happen all the time. Just part of life. And I remember being on the puppet team. There was this thing in Tulsa back in the 80s and beyond earlier. It was called camp meeting. And some of y'all remember that camp meeting. And I'm talking people would come from all over the nation and they would spend an entire week and they would rent out the Colt Convention Center in downtown Tulsa and all of the who's who and the biggest preachers from all over the nation and the world would come in. And, and I was on the puppet team. There was this children's pastor back then. His name was Willie George. He had a show called The Gospel Bill Show. You remember The Gospel Bill? I was on The Gospel Bill Show. He had a magazine called Honeycomb Magazine. I was on the cover, honey. I was famous. Just kidding <laughs> joking. Uh, but, but, it was, but that was the world I grew up in. And I'm on the puppet team. And, and Pastor Willie is teaching the kids, gospel bills out there, teaching the kids about the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, he makes an altar call for all these kids to come and get filled with the Holy Spirit. And about 30 kids come. And, and, and he said, Joel, I want you to go back with them and go back and we're going to help them get filled with the Holy Spirit. And 12-year-old Joel goes back, has no idea what I'm getting into, no idea what I'm doing. And we get in there, there's room about 30 kids. And the, the leader says, all right, all y'all are gonna get filled with the Holy Spirit today. Joel's gonna lead you. Joel, pray and get them all filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm looking at him like he's crazy. I'm like, oh, well, okay. I mean, I'm on the spot now. I gotta do it. So 12-year-old Joel prays for 30 kids to get filled with the Holy Spirit and every single one of them instantly gets filled, instantly starts speaking in, the Holy, in tongues of the Holy Spirit. And I, watch, I watched a mirror. I didn't have any power to do it. But I watched that. And he became a, a cornerstone of, of my faith and a passion to, to, to see and help people step into the power of the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you now, after 25 years of, of almost a full-time ministry, I've personally had the experience, the opportunity to pray for and to see about four or 5,000 people receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, personally. And, and that's not, a, that's not a, like an accolade for me. It's a passion for me. It's a passion for me. It doesn't make me good or better or any of that kind of thing, but let me tell you what it makes me. It makes me really, really, really good at helping people get it. I'm, I'm, I have a gift for helping people get the Holy Spirit. 
And I promise you, you want it today, you're getting it today. You want the gifts of the Spirit today, you're getting it today. I promise you, I guarantee it. It's not because I'm good, it's because he's good. And he's given me an ability to help people. So at the end of service, you're gonna have the opportunity. And last service, I don't know, probably 25 or 30 adults came forward and every single one of them got filled with the Holy Spirit. Every single one of them received the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Just like that, it's easy. It's not hard. It's easy. Because it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. And all you have to do is believe and receive it. And we'll get to that in a minute. But I'm just giving you a little heads up um, of, of what to expect and what to get ready for. Two weeks ago was Pentecost Sunday. Uh, I had to miss it. We were at the emergency room till the middle of the night and, and I missed it. And I had a message already. I was so excited. Pentecost is one of my favorite holidays. Um, I believe it's potentially the most important Christian holiday. Some people wouldn't, don't know what to do with that. But there's Christmas and then there's Easter and then there's Pentecost. And, and entire segments of the Christian church don't even celebrate Pentecost. But, but if it wasn't for Pentecost, you would be empty only because of Pentecost do you have the opportunity for the Holy Spirit of the living God to live inside of you, only because of Pentecost. And Pentecost is a fulfillment of the work of Jesus. So there's three main phases to the work of Jesus Christ. He, he, he was born and he lived a perfect life. He died and he rose from the dead. And then he ascended into heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit down to live among you, to not live among you, but to live in you. And this is the fulfillment of Jesus who's called the second Adam who redeemed the fall of mankind. Because the original design for God was that his children, Adam and Eve, would have direct access to him every single day, direct access. They would walk with him, talk with him, engage with him, commune with him, have conversations, have communication every single day. That was the original design. And then they fell into sin. And when they fell into sin, a curse came. And the biggest part of the curse wasn't the four-letter word that man got called work. If it wasn't for Adam and Eve, we wouldn't have to, it's, the work is a curse, amen? What, I got no Democrats in here? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm joking, choking. You're an idiot, I'm sorry. I was, that was an idiot move. I'm sorry, I'm just being stupid up here. Sometimes you gotta be funny. I wanted to be a comedian. That's what I wanted to be with my life and God made me a preacher. It's like a prison I live in. Just kidding. Can't say all this stuff in my head. No, work is bad. It wasn't part of the plan. Work was not the plan. You're just supposed, he's supposed to be with his naked wife and hang out with the angel and the, the babies and, and animals and all kinds of, it was, that was life. Name them, hang out with, that's a tiger. I can play with kitten, whatever. But then all of a sudden they fall and the curse is through sweat and tears and blood and suffering, you're gonna bring forth a reluctant harvest. That was the curse. And the curse of the woman was that she would lose her position and be dominated by men. That's a curse. That's not God's original design. It's not as part of his plan. And you watch for all human history, nations all around the world where women are dominated and have no opportunity very different in America. We, we complain about a whole lot of stuff that's so much better than every other part of the world. We were on vacation. We watched women on vacation walk behind their husbands in full garb, full covered garb, while their husband's walking around in board shorts with the kids. And they're walking behind him, not with him. And if they wanna get in the pool, they get in the pool in full garb. Only eyes available like a ninja. That's it. It's not God's will. Now, God's plan, that's part of the curse that Jesus came to redeem. We understand that part of the curse was women would, would have pain in childbirth. God's original plan was no pain in childbirth, just boop, pop them out. But because of the curse of the fall, it literally says that women will be saved through childbirth, through the suffering of childbirth, they'll find salvation. Wow, this is crazy, this is in your Bible. And then we understand that the devil was cursed. But the biggest part of the curse was Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. 
They were separated from God. They didn't have the same access. They didn't have the same day-to-day. And for all human history, God was with us. He wanted to be with us, but he was no longer in, living within, breathing inside of his, of his children. And so Jesus came to restore that. And that's what Pentecost is. It's the day when Jesus finished the work. He released the Holy Spirit. The promise was fulfilled. And the Spirit came to live inside of believers to redeem fully the curse. And now you look all around the world. There's incre- it's incredible what, what happens in nations where Jesus Christ has his uh, preeminence and his influence. And you see so many of these different parts of the curse have been reversed. But the number one thing that we as believers need to prize is that we have the availability and the ability to be in constant communion with the heavenly father through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And today we're gonna walk into that, Amen. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Luke chapter 3, 16, John the Baptist, the baptizer said, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I am will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So there's a difference between water baptism and Holy Spirit baptism. They are two different things. There's a word, in fact, in Greek, there are two words for the word baptize. Um, If you're just looking at it from the English language, you can't see the difference. But years ago, I was reading a Bible commentary and I came across one of the best illustrations to help me understand the difference between these two words, baptize and baptizo. They're both translated baptize in English, but they're two completely different words. And interestingly enough, the description or the illustration was an ancient recipe for pickling that was found in some tomb, in some pot, in some whatever, and that literally, it's like, it, it was this old, you know, ancient recipe that they found that had somehow been preserved, and it carried the usage of both of these words in the same passage. And it was describing how to make pickles. And it said, you take the, the cucumber or the vegetable, and you baptize it in the solution. You put it into the solution, the salt, the vinegar, the dill, the whatever, the jalapeno, whatever you're putting in there, you put it in the solution and you seal it. When you put it in there, that's baptize. It's immersed, submerged. And then you leave it in there until it's baptizo. So baptize is putting it in. Baptizo is the fulfillment of what happens after it's been immersed and fully permeated and forever changed. See, any cucumber can become a pickle, but a pickle can never go back. You understand? Pickle, a pickle is changed forever. And that's what I'm talking about. I may, look, I'm a bonehead sometimes. I make mistakes. I say the wrong thing. I, I, I just do. I would love to be the perfect person, the perfect pastor, never mess up and never put my foot in my mouth and never say something offensive. I would love for that to be my life, but it's just not. I have to ask forgiveness all the time. But there's one thing. I have been forever changed. And I can't go back. I might mess up, but I cannot go back. I've been baptizo. Does that make sense? So when Jesus is talking, when the disciples are talking about being baptized, it's not just talking about being dunked. It's talking about an experience where the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit permeates your being, permeates your soul, puts a mark on you that you can never come back from. You're you're forever changed. And you may have ups, you may have downs, you may have desert seasons, you may have uh, harvest seasons, but you can never go back. You're forever changed. Most of us know the Great Commission. Jesus talked about this. It's mentioned in a couple of the gospels. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever doesn't believe will be condemned. Every, I'm telling you, every church around the world probably knows that verse, what the Great Commission is, the basic Great Commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, get people saved. That's Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Almost every church in the world knows that. You know what most every church in the world doesn't know? The next verse Mark 16, 17, where it says, and these signs will follow them that believe. They'll cast out demons. How many churches are stepping out in this? They'll speak in new tongues. This is the words of Jesus. Jesus said, these signs, there will be signs that follow people that believe in me. 
They'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll, they'll take up serpents and won't harm them. They'll, if they drink deadly poison, it won't harm them. Now, now, I believe both of these things are both literal and figurative, okay? Literal and figurative. And it means that there's, there's truth to it because you can actually look at that. There's a time in scripture, because I mean, look, I'm not advocating anyone playing with snakes. I think it's probably a bad decision. Personally, I think snakes are fascinating. Uh, we have lots of snakes out where we live. And if I can catch one, I'll catch one. Uh, if it's not poisonous, I might try to hold it. But I don't, I don't advocate for that. And I'm not using any scriptural background when I'm being an idiot playing with a snake, all right? There's no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking dominion. That was my point. I just think they're kind of cool, right? And they're slippery and whatever. Uh, but there are people that go to the far extreme and they, and they, they, they tempt fate by playing with snakes it, it, for a spiritual purpose, and I think that's a real miss. But there's a scriptural basis for this. Paul was on a missions trip, and, and, or, and he was on an island, and he was picking up firewood, and he got bit by a poisonous viper and should have died. And he grabs it, and he's fighting with it, and he shakes it off into the fire, and all the villagers are watching for him to die, and he doesn't die because he has a supernatural authority from the Holy Spirit over deadly situations. Come on, aren't you glad you have a supernatural authority from the Holy Spirit over deadly situations? That's part of the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit is that God will give you supernatural protection over deadly situations, supernatural protection over, over car crashes, supernatural protection over disease, so all kinds of stuff. Does that mean bad stuff doesn't still happen? Sure, it still happens, but you have a supernatural protection and you need to learn to tap into that and believe for it and walk in it. There, 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 were, there are, in our history, there have been people, missionaries, that have a revelation of this, and when everyone was leaving because of a plague, they believed they had supernatural protection, they would go directly in and minister and be the hospital in places and heal people and take care of people and never got sick because they had a supernatural revelation that they had authority over dangerous situations and they would walk in it. So when Paul shakes the thing off in the fire, everyone thinks he's gonna die, but he has authority, over, over poisons, over snakes, he has authority. He knows about it. He heard Jesus say that. So, so he walks on. Well, they're all watching from to die. When he doesn't die, they think he's a God. He's like, no, 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 this is what's up. He begins to tell them about Jesus. The whole island got saved. So my little sister, Summer, when she was a teenager, she started, she, there was a thing called teen mania. She was a maniac. One of these little crazy little teenagers, every summer she'd go off on a mission trip, a, a whole month working with the underground church in China, two months uh, working with the church in India, crazy little missionary. And she at 19, 18, 19 years old was in charge of the team of about 30 kids in a village in India, rural India for two months. She's the adult. She's a teenager. She's the adult. And in this village, every 25 feet or so, there was a live cobra den. And they just told them, hey, just don't go out after dark because cobras are nocturnal. So if you're out during the day, you're fine. If you go out after dark, the cobras are out. Don't stay in the tent. Don't go out after dark. So they listened. Now, I want to know what type of parent would let their kid go on a mission trip like that? Mine, uh, that's the kind, right? I mean, just wild, wild. So, so sure enough, one of the villagers doesn't pay attention. He gets bit by a cobra. The whole village comes together. This dude is dying. He's going to die. They're hundreds of miles away from any hospital, any medical help, anything. If you get bit, you die. Second most venomous snake in the world. These cobras are 20 foot long, 18, 20 foot long. This dude is dying. My little sister rallies all the kids, the little missionary kids. They go into this dude's tent, lay hands on him and pray. The sucker lives. Guess what happened in the village? Everybody got saved. The whole village. What I'm telling you is this stuff still happens. It still happens. It hasn't ceased. Ron can tell you in Africa, miracles happen all the time. Why? Because people believe. They believe. We're too educated, we're too sophisticated, we're too westernized. We, we, don't want, we don't want a miracle, we want a miracle pill. That's what we want. Give me the skinny pill, right? I don't wanna work out. I don't wanna apply any actual health science. Just give me a miracle. Just suck it out for crying out loud. Whatever you gotta do, just give me the quick, easy. We're too smart for miracles. Other countries, they see it all the time, constantly. The problem is not whether it happens or doesn't happen. It still happens. The problem is how we believe. 
That's the problem, how we believe. If you're convinced you can't operate in the gifts of the spirit, you won't. Man, I've cast out so many demons. Some of you are freak, that freaks you out. We have authority over demons. You got someone at your workplace that operates in demons, you have authority. You should be operating in demonic deliverance at your workplace. Cast it out. Take authority. I've, I've been on Ghostbuster trips. I've had people fly me places and cast out demons. This stuff works. It's easy. We have authority. It's easy. But people don't believe, so they don't operate in it. Jesus said people would talk in other tongues if they believed. If you don't believe, you won't. But if you believe you can, you can. And the Holy Spirit will come to you and you'll receive him and he'll fill you with it. And you can have a supernatural communication. I'll explain that in a minute. It's important to understand. The day of Pentecost, Acts chapter two. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now watch this. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. How many of them? Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together, bewilderment, uh, because of uh, each one heard their own language being spoken utterly, and they were amazed. And aren't these all who are speaking Galileans, they said? And these amazed people, it says in Acts chapter two, there's three types of people there. They were amazed, and they were perplexed, and they were asking each other, what does this mean? They had questions. Then some, however, made fun of them and were mockers. So when the Holy Spirit was poured out, we see three different classifications of people. Some people, and this, and this is true to this day, in a service like this today, there will be three types of people. People that are amazed, that think this is amazing. It's incredible, keep it coming. People that are confused, I got some questions, Joel. Can I email you? Absolutely. That, that's a, those are two good positions. I got more questions, great. I got more answers, I live my whole life reading this book. I got answers. I, I, I can help you. But the third part, the third person you can't help. It's a mocker. And the scary part is that third person is in a very dangerous position because Jesus said, you can blaspheme or speak piercing words against the son of God and be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit can never be forgiven. This is serious business, y'all. So no matter what you think about today, about all this stuff, I'm gonna advise you to be in the first two groups. <laughs> Either be amazed or have questions. But don't be a mocker because that's a dangerous place to be when you're talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the finished work of Jesus Christ for you to be the embodiment of the living God, Jesus Christ living in you physically by his Holy Spirit. Do you know that no miracle work ever happened in Jesus' life until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit? He lived for 30 years, no miracles. The second the Holy Spirit shows up, he instantly goes out, he defeats the devil uh, for 40 days in the wilderness with temptation and then goes from there and does every miracle you'd ever heard of all throughout because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So what was the outcome on Pentecost? Chapter 37 says this, when, this, when the people heard this, they heard Peter stands up, he, he teaches a message, he prophesies, he says all the, all the different stuff, he explains everything. And it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, they were, they were convicted. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise or the promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. What I just read to you is a perpetual promise that has no end. The Holy Spirit baptism is for all, for all. Anyone that can believe, it's for all. It never ceased. 
It won't cease. There's a very dangerous doctrine called the doctrine of cessation. It's a doctrine of demons. The Bible is very clear. It talks about watching out, watch out, watch out, watch out for doctrines of demons. The doctrine of cessation says that when the last apostle died, all miracles ceased, all infilling of the Holy Spirit. See, oh, you can have the Holy Spirit in you, but there's no more power. So yeah, of course, of course you've got the Holy Spirit, but there's zero power. There's no more prophecy. There's no more tongues. There's no more gifts of healing. That anything that happens is just an accident. God just happens to do it because he's God, but you have nothing to do with it. You have absolutely zero power. That's the doctrine of cessation. And let me ask you this question. It, let, let, let's just say we're a sports team. Let's say we're, let's say we're a football team. Let's say that I'm the owner of the team. I'm not like Jerry Jones. I'll let my coach coach, but I'm the owner, okay? So, and I'm gonna win too. Uh, anyway, uh, it's different. That's different than Jerry. But, um, but, but if I'm the owner of the team and my team is playing an opponent team, do I want my current team to be powerful or to be impotent, okay? Who, who wants my team to be impotent? The, the enemy team. Okay, so let me ask this question. Who wants Christians to be impotent spiritually? God or the devil? That's all I'm saying. So any doctrine that teaches that Christians no longer have access to the power of the Holy Spirit in the same manner, let me ask you this, does God change? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says Jesus is the truth. One of the top definitions of the word true is something that does not change. So the promise is for you, your family, for everyone who's far off and for all who, were ever, who will ever be called. There is no cessation. It's just a bad doctrine. It's well-meaning people who, who have just been tricked and they were taught wrong and they were taught wrong by someone else that was taught wrong that was taught by someone else that was taught wrong that was taught by someone else. It's just generations, hundreds of years of bad doctrine. Doesn't mean they're bad people. Doesn't mean they're bad denominations. It's just a bad doctrine that they bought. And it's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. This is what Paul said. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. Paul also said, I didn't come to you with cunning or skillful or crafty words, but I came to you with a demonstration of the power of God. If we don't have the power of God in our lives, we're no different than an atheist. You're no different than, than a member of some false religion cult. If all you have is a set of rules to be a good little boy or a good little girl, Jesus died for nothing. Because the whole point is Jesus died, rose again, ascended into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit down so that we could be like him and fulfill his mission. And if Jesus couldn't do his mission without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, neither can we. The good news is that God always wants all of his people full of his power. That's the good news. The other part of the good news is it's readily available and you can have it today. I'm gonna throw in a set of Ginsu knives too. Just selling from stage, Bryce. I'm selling from stage up here. There's no second offering. This isn't a trick. It's talking to you about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and you can have it. The number one point of the Holy Spirit is a supernatural communication that you have with God. That's, that's the main point. We are at war. It's called the fight of faith. We have a violent enemy who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a baptism into God's power specifically for supernatural communication. 
That's why you have a gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. You have a gift of prophecy. You have a word of wisdom. You have a word of knowledge. You have um, the laying on of hands. Whenever you lay hands on people to pray for them, you pray out loud. When miracles happen, you're typically praying out loud. Every single one of the gifts of the spirit is voice activated. And guess what? Nobody can make you talk but you. You're the only one that can make you talk. Let me prove it to you. You ever had a feeling like you should go walk over and tell someone something from God? You ever had one of those feelings like God wanted you to go say something to somebody and you're like, oh, that's just me. I just, I just made that up. I'm just making that up. It's crazy. They're gonna think I'm crazy. I'm crazy. I'm, that's just me. Uh, God, if you want me to do that, then um, have a, a plane fly over right now, but not in a straight line, have it zigzag at 34 degree angles and then I'll know that it's you. Have a hummingbird come and land on my left earlobe right now. If, the, if it's you, God, then prove it. Really good chance that you have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You never knew you had it. You asked for it. You didn't know how to turn it on. You didn't know how to activate it. God's been trying to get you to activate it the entire time. It's voice activated. And if you don't open your mouth and speak, if you don't open your mouth and release it, it won't turn on. It's voice activated. Does that make sense? Because everything in the kingdom is voice activated. When God made Everything, he made it with his voice. He made you in his image according to his likeness and you're a creator as well and you create with your voice. Every, every single husband knows they can walk in the house after a long day of work, voice the wrong thing and ruin a whole evening. Right? It's just true. Your voice makes a difference. Your voice is powerful. So how do you get saved? What's the Bible say? How do you get saved? You believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord. I'm here to tell you that that simple two-step principle is how you actualize every single thing in the kingdom. You believe it in your heart absolutely and you confess it with your mouth. It's how it all works. It's not hard. It's very simple. So why do you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why do you need it? Number one, it was a commandment of Jesus Christ to his disciples. Jesus commanded his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem. Stay in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. It was a commandment. It was mandatory. Jesus couldn't do his mission without it and neither can we. You need it to fulfill the mission of God in your life. You have to have it. You have to have it. Now listen, let me tell you something. Your salvation, you making it to heaven has no bearing on whether or not you ever step out and, and use the gifts of the spirit. This is not about your eternal salvation. This is about you fulfilling your eternal mission. This is about you, this is about you fulfilling your mission and you can't be who God's called you to be without the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a mission of God on your life and it's gonna be activated when you begin to step into that gift and all of a sudden you realize that there's something special inside of you that you have the ability to release life into dark environments and dark situations. I had a friend call me the other day. He's not someone that goes to church. He's not someone that comes to our church, has very different beliefs uh, in a lot of different things. Um, but I love him. He's a great person. And, and he and he's a very great friend, one of the most faithful, incredible friends. We just have some different perspectives on different things. But he calls me because he's in a serious bind and he doesn't know what to do. And I don't have an answer for him, but I'm someone that can pray with him. And we, we got, we're on the phone together. And I said, listen, I don't have a solution for you, except I know I can pray. And I know that our God is real and our God will come up with something. And our God will whatever. And we prayed together. And by the end of the day, an absolute miracle happened. The whole thing was solved. That's how good God is. That's how good God is. And I'm not saying that my prayer made that miracle happen, but I'm saying that my friend now knows there's a direct connection between that moment of faith and a miracle happening. Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. In a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You need that power of God in your life. 
See, this was massively important to Jesus. If you look at the last few days of Jesus' life, the last couple weeks of Jesus' life, the only thing on his mind was the Holy Spirit. Read John chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. All he talked about was this comforter, this counselor, the Holy Spirit's gonna come to you. It was his last words, his last message. He's the only one that knows that he's about to die. It's his last time on earth. And all he could think about and all he could teach about and all he could talk about was this Holy Spirit who was coming. It's massively important to Jesus should be massively important to us. Five years after Jesus, revival begins to break out. The persecution starts to break out too and some of the disciples are scattered and one of them's name is Philip. And Philip goes down to uh, Samaria and he's full of the Holy Spirit. He he's, begins to preach, he begins to do miracles and there's a sorcerer there named Simon. Simon called himself the great one. This is in Acts chapter uh, eight. I encourage you to read this story, incredible story. He calls himself the great one because he worked in all kinds of demonic power. He was a sorcerer or a witch doctor. And everyone came to him for their needs. But all of a sudden, Simon shows up and Simon's operating in a power that's greater than the witch doctor. So the witch doctor gets baptized in the name of Jesus. But he's still, he's still got wickedness in his heart. But, but he converts. So watch this. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply or only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Two separate baptisms, one in water, one in the Holy Spirit. And according to this passage, the Holy Spirit is the superior baptism. Interesting. They had only, they had merely, they had simply been baptized in, the, in, the, in water for repentance. They hadn't received the power yet. They hadn't received the upgrade yet. They, they hadn't received the, the fulfillment of it yet. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands. He offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. What did he see? See, what we've been told, what almost every person is told is that this baptism in the Holy Spirit thing is supposed to be private. It's in a back room somewhere. It's never supposed to be done in public. Oh no, no one could, you should never, ever, ever speak in tongues in church. The Bible says not to. It's not actually what it says. It's not actually what it says. It says if you're giving a message, if I'm up here giving a message, I shouldn't do it in an unknown language. That makes no sense. If I have a missionary, look, I've gone to different countries. I've gone to different countries and spoken English and they interpret into Spanish or, or whatever different country I was in, they would interpret it. So if you have someone speaking a message to a group of people, make sure there's an interpreter. But listen, if your favorite language is Spanish, if you wanna pray in Spanish all during service, go for it. If you wanna sing Gloria Dios the whole time we're singing worship, you wanna sing in Spanish, go on, sing it. You can sing, you can worship in any language in church at any moment, at any time. That's between you and the Father. That's not a public declared message. That's your private worship. Go for it. Pray in whatever language you want. Worship, sing in whatever language you want. Go for it. Swahili, I don't care. Glorify God in it. Man, I've been in worship services where I don't speak a lick of that language and they're singing in their own language and it's unbelievably powerful and I have no idea what they're saying. They're worshiping. They're supposed to change the whole thing for me? No, go for it. I'll figure it out. So the whole thing about don't pray in tongues in church was about a public platform ministry, not about people praying privately to the Father. Now, look, I, dude, I prayed in tongues taking geometry tests in high school. I, man, before I'm, I'm outside the ring, let me tell you something. I'm walking into a, if I'm coaching in a business, some of these businesses I'm walking in, I'm coaching in, I'm in so over my head, I'm walking down the hall praying in the Holy Spirit, asking God for supernatural wisdom. And all of a sudden I got solutions that I don't even know. All of a sudden I got ideas that came from the Holy Spirit. I got divine access to stuff in a business setting because I'm praying in the Holy Spirit at Whole Foods, in the car, everywhere I go. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you, and I wish that all of you would pray in tongues, but I'd even rather more that you prophesy, especially in a public setting. 
Because when I prophesy, everyone understands. But that doesn't mean don't pray in tongues or don't pray in the Holy Spirit. And besides that, there's a difference between a prophetic tongue and your own personal prayer. Totally different things. We can talk about that more later. We can study that out. But I just wanna encourage you, be open, be open, be open, be open. Five years after Pentecost, the apostles said, we gotta make sure, we, it's absolutely mandatory, we have to make sure every single one of these people gets the Holy Spirit. It was so public that the sorcerer tried to buy it. it. Wasn't private, it was public. Miracles happening in public. The apostles coming down, meeting with every single person they could in all of Samaria, it was public. Now you have 20 years later, Acts chapter 19, Paul is walking and he's, he's, in a, he's on a missions trip in Ephesus and he runs into 12 disciples in public. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, we don't even, never even heard of the Holy Spirit. These are disciples. Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? They said, John's baptism. Paul said, John's baptism is a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in one that was coming after him, that's Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. How many of them prophesied? How many of them spoke in tongues? It was always for all. It was never for some. But Joel, what about the verse that says that God gives each gift according and everything, and one gives this gift, and one gives that gift, and one gives, sure, 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 yeah. There are certain people that have a natural ability or passion or drive or whatever for certain types of gifts, and it's just natural to them. They're natural towards words of wisdom. They're natural towards words of not. They're not, they have, a, they have a, a special endowment of something for that. But what I'm telling you is outside of that, every single person in your Bible that received the infilling of the Holy Spirit received the ability to speak in tongues and prophesy because supernatural communication is part of the deal. It's a package deal. I told you earlier, you're at war. When you're at war, the number one thing that you have to protect is communications. Because if your unit gets cut off, you are helpless. You have to have communication. And we have a violent enemy and God has given us a supernatural communication through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So how do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's, actually, it's really easy. You simply ask your father, you believe and you receive it, and then you step out in it and you activate it with your voice. That's it. Watch this, Luke chapter 11, and I'm almost done. 11, 11, Jesus is teaching about prayer. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asked you for a fish, would give him a snake instead? If he asked him for an egg, would he give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? That's pretty awesome. How much more will your father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? You just gotta ask, you gotta believe. Now, now in my experience, I've learned there's three things that keep people from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and stepping out in the gifts. The number one thing is their pride. They don't wanna look weird. You mean I'm gonna say bibbidi-bobbidi-boo? What, what am I gonna do? Shit about a Honda, martini, martini, bikini. What, what I'm saying, weird words, what am I saying? That was good. good, you like that one? <laughs> Um, <laughs> when I first moved to Dallas, there was, remember, do you guys remember the party hotlines? It was like a phone number you would call, it was before the internet, and you would call and there'd be jokes, like joke hotlines. There was one, and it was during the 80s, and or it was actually, this was into the 90s, whatever, but it was during a lot of the televangelist crazy stuff, and someone made one called Reverend Bob's Holy Ghost Hotline, and I don't know if you ever called it or not, it was hilarious, and you could push a button for praying in tongues, push one, for a Holy Ghost hot tub party, push two, for, it was just hilarious, and we would call it and laugh and all that, whatever, but that's how, the, that's how the person would pray in tongues. They would say, scotch on the rocks, bikini, bikini, martini, bikini, scotch on the rocks. That's, that's how they prayed in tongues, I, sorry. So it's just always stuck, that's, that's been there. Oh my God, Jesus, come back. Come back, Jesus, come back. No, but it's, but it's pride, we don't wanna look funny. We don't, we don't wanna look funny. So we have to get past that because we're talking about access to the power of the Holy Spirit and I don't care how I look, I want God's maximum power in my life. You gotta get past that. The second part is intellect. 
This is a faith activated thing. It's not about understanding every detail of every little thing. It's about stepping out in faith like a child and receiving a gift from your father. We give our kids stuff at Christmas. It has all these instructions. They don't know how to use it either. They gotta read the instructions. We gotta figure it out. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, you're not gonna understand all of it. You gotta, you gotta get in here and study and learn and practice and figure it out. But you just receive the gift. You just receive it. You open it up, start learning, start figuring it out, activate it. The, th- the third thing that gets people hung up is a wound, specifically from a father figure. Because it goes in contrast with, the, with what Jesus just said. How much more will your heavenly father? See, when people have a father wound, it makes them a little bit mistrusting when it comes to a heavenly father. So you may need to, to forgive a father figure in your life because you got a blockage. It's affecting how you see God. It's affecting how you receive from God. So that may be something you need to do real quick. Just again, forgive him again, forgive him again, forgive him again. And I get it, man, I've, I've been hurt in my life, but I can't allow a human, I can't allow a human to keep me from God's best. Amen? Amen. So we're gonna pray. And, and again, I just wanna encourage you, be amazed, be curious. Just don't be a mocker, because that's a dangerous place. There's always more of God than we currently understand and know. And what I'm gonna ask you to do, it, literally, anybody that wants it, anybody in this room, I'm just gonna ask you to, to just pop up here and come up to the front and we're gonna pray for you right here and you're gonna get it. But I just got, I, you just gotta be bold enough. I'm, I'm curious who the first one is. Who's the first one? Just come on up, come get the Holy Spirit. Come on up, come on up. You're gonna get it. You come up, you're getting it. I promise you, if you come up here, you're getting it. If you come up here, you're getting it. And, and maybe, maybe you've prayed and you've asked for it in the past, but you feel like you don't know if you really got it or not, just come on up and get it. Come on, we're gonna teach you how to activate it. You're gonna turn it on and we're gonna worship here. It's not gonna be weird or anything like that. You, you want the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Come on up here. And I need my leaders, our leaders that are up here too, that are kind of, you're just gonna stand behind as we pray for folks. There's my man, Tate. What's up, man? Rocking the cowboy boots. I like it. Um, yeah, come on up and get any. If you want the power of God in your life, you want the gifts of the Holy Spirit activated in your life, come on up and get it. God's gonna give it to you. I guarantee you, I promise you, he's gonna give you the power of the Holy Spirit. He's gonna give you the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. 100%. And the reason I know that is he wants you to have it more than you wanna have it. He wants you full of his power. Amen. Amen, amen. Come on up, come on up, come on up. The rest of us, let's just go ahead and stand. I want you guys, we're gonna, we're gonna worship and sing. You guys can pray with us too, that's awesome. So here's how this is gonna work, okay? I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. I'm so glad you're here. I, don't, I mean, I've never met you before, but I saw you earlier in service and just something about you stuck out to me. There's something really special about you. God's got his hand on your life. He handpicked you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a destiny for you. And what I feel in my spirit, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna prophesy over you. I feel like the enemy has tried to convince you that you're not worth much. I feel like the enemy's tried to convince you that you're not worth much, that you're potentially even worthless. Maybe someone said those words over you and it was a curse. And I'm telling you right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I break that curse off of your life. I break that curse off of your life. God values you. God loves you. You're his son, he values you, and he's got a specific call on your life. He's got a purpose for your life. What's your name? Logan. Logan. You're a powerful man of God. I look forward to getting to know you. God's got something special for you. Is that okay, guys? Power of the Holy Spirit's in this place. So here's what's gonna happen. This is how easy it is, okay? We're gonna pray. You're gonna ask for the Holy Spirit. He's instantly gonna give it to you, instantly, period. No questions asked, because he promised to, okay? Then all you have to do is turn it on, okay? And remember, it's voice activated. So I'm literally, I'm gonna lead you, you're gonna lift your hands, you're gonna take it, you're gonna close your eyes, you're gonna take a deep breath, and, and here's what you need to understand. The Holy Spirit's already inside of you. As soon as you ask, the Holy Spirit comes in inside of you and fills you. So the Holy Spirit's gonna be inside of you and all of a sudden, you're going to get an idea pop up in your head of a syllable to make, a sound to make, a word to say. It could be something, just a sound. It could just be a syllable. You you cannot do it wrong. The Holy Spirit's gonna teach you a brand new language from the inside out. 
You may start prophesying, you may whatever, but my encouragement to you is whatever you feel inspired to say or make whatever, whatever sound you feel inspired, whatever idea pops into your mind, step out with it by faith and make that sound and you'll activate it and you'll turn it on. I promise you this works every single time, okay? So it just comes down to you. Remember, nobody can make you talk but you. You have to be the one to actually make sound come out of your mouth, okay? That's on you. That's the only part you have to do is step out in faith and make a sound come out, all right? So let's pray, all of us together. Say this, say, Father, I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of my life. I believe he rose from the dead. And I declare that he is the Lord of my life. And Jesus, I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me all the way up today. Give me the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of tongues and prophecy, supernatural communication. I want it in my life and I receive it right now. In Jesus' name, I am filled with the Holy Spirit and I choose to turn it on. In Jesus' name, amen. Now close your eyes, lift up your hands, Open your mouth, physically open your mouth. Take a big deep breath in and begin to make whatever sound you feel right. Whatever sound, go ahead and go right now. Take a big deep breath, open your, physically open your mouth and let that sound come out. You have to make the sound come out. That's it, you got it. You got it, you got it, you got it. That's it, you got it, you got it. Take a big deep breath, push those words out, push that sound out. You got it, he gave it to you. 